Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. In the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures, the word love appears mostly in the book of Deuteronomy and in the Song of Songs. Deuteronomy is essentially about covenant, that is, the relationship between God and his people. Love is an important theme of this book. Today, we're going to examine a key element of what Moses said to the people, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. On our panel today, we have Stephen Groom and Mike Browning. Welcome, gents. Thank you. Today, we're going to discuss what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. And this is the key of Deuteronomy. But before we start our study, let us bow for prayer. Gracious Father, as we open your word and discuss why we are to love you with all our heart, soul and might, we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to start our study uh, now with reading Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 1 to 2. Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 to 2. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Mike, Moses said to his people, where did he say this? Okay, um, this is really interesting. If you go back just a couple of chapters in Deuteronomy chapter 1, looking at verse 5 to begin, then we'll come to verse 3. Verse 5 says... On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law. So here were the children of Israel, 40 years wandering in the wilderness over, and now they're standing on the borders of the promised land again, 40 years after the first time. And they're opposite Jericho, in the borders of Moab there. Um, Just interestingly enough, it says in verse 3, it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, first day of the month, that they gathered together for this occasion. So 40 years later, um, it's worth bearing in mind because it'll have bearing later in our discussion mm-hmm. that the oldest person in Israel at that point would have been 60 years old with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Um, the others were all 60 years of old or age or under, uh, which is rather significant. 20 years or under? 60, well, they were, yeah, those, yes, who were yes, yes, yes. Yeah, those who were 20 years and under mm. Um, survived the 40 years wandering, the rest did not. Those who were older did not. So that's the background to our study today. So some of them wouldn't have seen a lot of the things that the early ones did. No, no. Those aged over 40 and longer than 60, they had seen Sinai. Yes, yes. In verse 2, that's Deuteronomy 6 verse 2, it says, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. Stephen, question to you, what does it mean to fear the Lord? That's a big question. Apart from being uh, that phrase, fear the Lord, is found many times in the Old Testament and the Bible. It's found three times in this chapter, verse 2, verse 13 and verse 24. The Hebrew word for fear is yara. It means to fear, shudder, to be in awe at. And 
Um, to fear means to respect him um, for who he is, his authority, his power, his justice and righteousness, um, especially in contrast to our sinfulness, weakness and complete dependence on him. And we often hear these threefold phrases, his omnipresence, his omnipotence and his omnipotence. Mm. So, you know, he's so much opposite to us. OK, so we have to fear the Lord. Moving down a few verses, I'm going to just read two more verses. I'm going to read verses four and five. That's Deuteronomy six, verses four and five. It says in verse four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now it says with all, with all, with all. It really emphasises with all. Mm. Why is all our love required, Mike? <laughs> it's a good one. Um, to, there's nothing, nothing less than loving God supremely will do. That's what God is saying here and what Moses is saying. Um, loving God supremely, of course, doesn't mean you don't love others. Of course you do. In fact, God loving God increases your capacity to love others. And, but it, it's, he must be first and last. He's the foundation of our very existence. Mm -hmm. And it's rather interesting to keep in mind that the stability of the nation of Israel depended upon their love and, for, of course, their faithfulness to God. Mm, good point. Very good point. Stephen, should it have been natural for the Israelites to to love the God with all their heart. Oh, most definitely. Uh, God manifested his love towards them. Um, they'd been miraculously delivered from the Egyptians through the plagues, which were directly uh, contributed to God. They were daily sustained in the wilderness for 40 years. They had their water. The manna from heaven was actually angels' food. There was, because of that, there was no sick person amongst them. Their, their shoes didn't um, wear out. God's presence was in the tabernacle in the most holy place through the Shekinah glory. God was present in the cloud above them uh, by day, which kept the hot sun off them, and by night uh, a pillar of fire. And I'd like to read from uh, Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse, uh, first of all, 19. It says that the pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. So God led them there. Verse 21, it says, 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. That word sustained is not found in Deuteronomy's account. So I just wanted to read from there. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. So God kept them in perfect health. Mm, so they right. should have, this should have led them to be very appreciative and grateful for God's uh, care for them, love and protection. But as we read in the record, they weren't always um, happy about that, were they? <laughs> now, just to pick up on a point you made, Mike, about some had died in the wilderness, mm. even those that were born subsequently, they had a chance to witness God's awesome power through these very miracles of being sustained. They did. They saw the manna arrive every day. They saw the pillar. Exception of Sabbath, yes. Yep. Mm. Okay, just moving on, turn across now to Deuteronomy chapter 10. And I'm going to read a very interesting verse here, verse 12, Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And it says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Here we have a verse which talks about they've got to both fear and love him. 
Mike, what is the connection here between fearing and loving? Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, they had a chance to see God's power. There's no question about that. And those who were um, at that age between, stage between 40 and 60 years of age, um, they, they had seen God come down visibly on Mount Sinai and, and speak the Ten Commandments. I've seen the thunder and the lightning. As a matter of fact, um, he reminds them of that in chapter four of Deuteronomy. And uh, let's see, verse 33. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you've heard and live? Right, he's saying, you saw it. You saw the power of God. So fearing God, there's a, there's a sense in which recognizing who they were dealing with, the almighty, one whose power was beyond their comprehension. Um, and now he comes and he shows them, not only is he that God of power that they should fear in the sense of reverence or deep awe, mm. but they should love. And this is the other side of God that he was pre presenting to them here, um, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, he was showing them that he was also the God who preserves them, who protects them who loves them and cares for them. Mm. So they were to fear and love God. So people in the old, um, people say that the God of the Old Testament is one of um, destruction, yeah. and judgment. Yeah. Yeah. But some of the greatest texts of God's love is found in the Old Testament, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's Especially, right. Yeah. Well, Jesus quoted um, the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, particularly yes. talking yes. about loving God with all your heart, that one we just read. Yes. That's true. Well, that's a good, uh, good place to move to, Stephen. You just mentioned that. What are some of the, the evidences that they had of God's love? Yeah, so many places in, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, God um, or Moses reminds the people that God loved them. For instance, um, chapter 4, verse 37, chapter 7, verses 7, 8 and 13, chapter 10, verses 15, it mentions that God kept them in good health and, and none of them were sick. Um, verse chapter 23, verse 5, and 30, chapter 33, verse 3, God specifically mentions, yes, he loves the people that's mentioned there. So um, Moses told the people about God's love for their fathers and for them, but more, not just in words, but in God's actions, we could see God's care for them, that in, even despite their shortcomings, this, mm -hmm. this love tended to be unconditional love for them, didn't he? Yes, um, yes. Despite their failures, their sins revealed this love in God's actions. Um, and, and God's for lo love for them remained steadfast, a love that was powerfully manifested continually in God's dealing with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you, Steve. I want to go back to this word fear, okay? Because some people get a bit confused by what does it mean to fear? Turn with me now to the New Testament. We're going to go right to the end of the New Testament, 1 John. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. And it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So, Mike, what, what version of fear are we talking okay. about here? Three references to fear in the one verse. Um, it's interesting. This is the Greek word phobos, or phobos. Uh, from which our English word phobia comes from. Now, a phobia is an obsessive fear, um, which is rather interesting. That's how we see it in English. But the context is very important of this verse. And if you look at um, the previous verse, you read verse 18. Uh, verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us this day. 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So the fear is in the context of judgment here, the judgment, mm. the final judgment of God. Uh, without a saviour, um, be serious about this. This would be a fearful time. Yeah. Um, but so there is this aspect and God is saying, well, um, John is writing on God's behalf here. Um, there is, if you have love for God and, he, and you know his love for you, then you don't have fear of the judgment. That's really good news. Mm. Uh, very good news to, not, to know. Um, so we have two aspects of that here, which I think is really helpful. Um, and, there's and, a statement. In, sorry, go ahead. I think it, uh, this fear of God, I mean, God makes it very plain in the Bible what happens to those who rebel against him. So we don't have to fear God if we are sure we're on the right side mm. of him. And, and the only that's way we can do that is recognize God's love for us. Mm. Amen. Yeah, no, that's true. And there's a beautiful statement here in Philippians chapter four and verse seven. Um, which says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Mm. Um, and that's the assurance. Well, it is when the yeah. world today is looking for peace. Yeah, that's right. The world is searching for peace desperately at the moment. Mm. Um, and it's only to be had through a saviour mm. and, uh, and a freedom from fear. The same, the same source, of course. Yes, thank you. One of the other ways uh, which God demonstrates his love, he always makes the first move in reconciliation. Yes. So how does this really affect our feelings? Describe that to us, Stephen. Okay, I'd like to look at Bible verses for that. The first one, Romans 5.8, I've memorized. God commended or demonstrated his love for us. He did that through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came to this earth to show us the character of, of God demonstrated on the earth because, you know, God's um, character had been maligned through history. So God commended his love towards us or de demonstrated it in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. So that's before we had any opportunity to do anything or respond. God did, God did all that for us. Um, the first, second text is uh, 1 John 4, 19. Um, sorry, 4.9, it says, In this the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. So we have an indefinite might live through him. So God does the loving to us, hoping that we will respond to him. So he has offered salvation to us, fallen creatures. We were, um, Adam and Eve fell right at the beginning, but he offered a propitiation, a way that we might be saved through the gift of his son. And he went all through that, became a man forever, so he might be saved. Now, Stephen, you were about to mention 419, John, 1 John. That also says we love him because he first loved us, first which loved demonstrates him. what you're saying. Yes, most yeah. surely. Yeah. So this is a very important question uh, regarding God's love. Mike, do we understand God's love towards us? I, I think we get glimpses of God's love for us. And um, the more I think we focus on Jesus and his life, here is God incarnate in the flesh, become one of us, to live for us, to die for us, a grisly death. Uh, when we recognize that, we get something of an understanding of his love. And he I'm, didn't do that just for a short time. He did that for eternity. It was a giving right? of him to itself, to, to the family of, of earth for eternity. That's so true. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
So this, um, this was an, um, well, I was going to say unbelievable, but I mean, that's what our faith is, believing this. But it's, um, it's amazing that God should step into humanity for the purpose of dying for our sins. Mm. And uh, that should generate love in our hearts if nothing else does. Well, it's, it's one thing to love God when, well, to think we love God when everything's going smoothly in life. You know, everything's going tickety-boo, everything's nice. What happens when we have trials and afflictions? Stephen, talk to us about that. Um, why is it important to love God when hard times are upon us? Well, the saying goes, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I, so, <laughs> I, I guess that that really proves um, whether we have our faith grounded in God or, or whether it's just grounded in sand. When we love and trust God really, then we will trust him during the hard times, not just mm. the good. And the good times is when we should begin to cement our faith grounded in the truth of God, recognizing his love for us so that when trials come, we can claim these promises that are in the word and sustain our faith through the, the, the uh, hard times. Because it's interesting in Luke 21, 22:31. Um, Jesus told Simon that Satan had des desired to have him, that he might sift him as wheat, wheat, you know, through a sifter. And, and Satan desires to do that because he doesn't believe our faith is real. So in some ways, all believers must go through a, a type of sifting. Yes. And I think if, if during the good times, as you talked about, we, we are still people of prayer and giving praise to God and thanks for the good yes. things happening. Mm. Yes. Um, and if we're doing that, it keeps us close Amen. In touch with him. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Just going back now, back to where we started, which is Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1. In verse 1, it says, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. So Moses was given an instruction to teach the people. Now, Moses didn't go to the promised land. So, so Mike, how were the people to be taught once they were in the promised land? Yeah, yeah very good question. And, and it's dealt with. Moses actually set them up for this. Still in chapter 6, I notice in verse 7, um, he writes or says, and it's written, you shall teach them diligently to your children. So the uh, responsibility is now on the parents to do this. Teach them diligently to your children and shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, these were to be first and foremost in our thinking and the way we live our lives, he's saying. And of course, the same goes for us. Mm. Um, parents have a responsibility to support um, and instruct our children, teach them how to pray, teach them how to come and mm. approach the God of love that we have. And to know that when we approach him in prayer, he takes an immediate interest mm. in the things that concern us. Mm. Mm. Amen. Well, these were being, they were taught the, uh, the statutes and commandments but Stephen, were they forced to take to, uh, to obey these laws? No, God is not a God of force. He, he clearly sets before us the results of our obedience to God, what will happen, how we will be blessed and, and what happens if we um, disobey him. I think of the Deuteronomy chapter 28, you know, the covenantal language, mm -hmm. um, also given Leviticus chapter 26. Also in the New Testament, it's the same. So God is not a, a, a God of force, but he loves us and he waits for that um, unforced response from him, from us, to him. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Steve, just staying with you um, in regards to that, it says in verse uh, chapter 5, 
it says in chapter 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy might. Does that mean that, because it says thou shalt, does that mean we are being ordered to love? Um, does that mean we're robots? We can't think for ourselves? I, I think it's a, a future tense, you will love, and it's conditional. Uh, the underlying premise there is, is that if you accept God, you, you will love God with all your heart and with all your soul. It's a decision you make too, isn't it? Yes. I mean, yes. let's face it, you, you, you and I must decide whether we will put our affections and love, say, on material things, yes, uh, on spiritual things. You know, so the decision is still lies within us to do this. Mm. So if, if we love the Lord our, thy God with all our heart, with all our soul, and our might, does that make it easier for us to keep his laws? What do you think, Mike? <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but, you know, I'm compare obeying God with, say, keeping the road rules. And, uh, you know, you can, I sit there, I don't enjoy traffic lights, to be quite honest with you, and sitting there at a traffic light and waiting and nothing going on. Um, and I don't do that with the commandments of God, I'm glad to say, because there's a love experience mm. and there is the big difference. So, yes, it is. I like to compare it to a marriage. You know, when you love your wife, it's not difficult to obey her when she tells you to do things. But the, the problem when you don't obey her, the problem is with your relationship with her. That's right. He's That's a good husband, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> to talk like this. Let's go back. Let's focus on the laws now, though. Um, if we truly love God with all our heart, what do we think about God's laws? What's our attitude towards God's laws? Yes. I, go ahead. To answer that question, I'd like to go to Psalms, Psalms 119. Um, we'll look at a couple of verses there. Verse 70. Verse 70 says, The heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. So here the author is comparing um, wicked people to his, his own. So he's contrasting it. They're not interested, but I delight in your law. And we, we also go to verse 92. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. And 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I believe this is a supernatural effect on us. When we're converted, we accept the Lord. I believe this is part of the new covenantal relationship. Jesus writing the law on our hearts. And we begin, I, I've felt it myself. Um, it's a supernatural experience. You get love from him that he does in you. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we've got to love the Lord thy God. If we do so, the laws will become easier. But what's the evidence? How do we know that we are loving the Lord <laughs> okay. thy God with all our heart, soul and mind? How do we but know that? If, if we let God into every area of our lives, don't hide anything from him, we know we have passed from death to life. I recognise this is a challenging thing. And there are areas in our lives that we need to look at and relook at again and again sometimes to make sure that we maintain that. Um, but letting God call the shots in our lives is the demonstration of our love, you know, being and doing what he wants us to do. We've talked about obedience and how that demonstrates his love and it does, our love for him and it does. Um, there is a way in which you can please God by being faithful, true and obedient. Yeah. And, and Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. Which is... Uh, he does. 
Which well, is actually, I had that right in front of me. I'm going to read it out. Oh, you just did. If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, that's, clear as, that's as clear as crystal. Can, can I ask can a question that? here? It, keeping God's commandments, is this a growing experience? I mean, Jesus alluded to it. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery or kill. <clears throat> but I say, if you think adultery in your mind, in, in our sanctification experience, does the knowledge of the law get deeper and deeper as we get older? Yes. Do you think? I'm sure it does. As you go, and, and our knowledge, as our love for God and our appreciation of his love grows deeper, um, he's constantly, the Holy Spirit is constantly working to grow Impressing us Impressing us areas. with greater depths of the law and yes. helping us to walk into a deeper experience with him. Yes, we're moving from unholiness to holiness. Yes. And holiness is something that we are learning about continually. Let's, let's bring this back to our day again. I want you to turn with me to, to um, Revelation, book of Revelation. We're going to very quickly look at Revelation chapter 14 and verses 6 and 7. And this says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. Why do you think this is a message to the last day people, this is the last message to the world, why does it say fear God and not love God? It's rather interesting, isn't it, that it's in the context of judgment again. Yes. As we saw back in the first letter of John. And once again, it says, fear God because the hour of his judgment is come. But even before that, give glory to him. Yes. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. And, and it's in the relation of this investigative judgment that's going on. So in front of the universe, I mean, who you fear is who you're going to obey, isn't it? Mm. And um, Job said that I, I obey him because I love him. So love is very much tied up with fear. God mm. shows us what he does to the, the um, disobedient. Yeah. And we show that we obey him because we fear him above other people. Yes. yes. It says in Proverbs uh, chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yeah. There's references we have in the Bible yes. which, which talk to us about the fear. So, Stephen, why are these stories that, that are in the recording of the Bible about the Israelites, why are they important to us today? Um, thank you. It's very important to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 6 and 11. And it says that now these things became, these things, the experience of Israel in the wilderness, became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So we should not copy after the bad examples that they did. They did many disobeying good. And these experiences all happen to repeat in verse 11. And upon the admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So they're examples to us. We can apply them to ourselves. Exactly. Very important message. Well, thank you. Thank you, gents. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy might is as important today as it was when Moses spoke to the Israelites on the border of Canaan. God loves you and wants a personal relationship with you. I invite you to give your heart to God. We're glad you could join us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abinaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgis 
at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.